This episode contains mentions of child sexual abuse. Welcome to a very special episode of CCYC Awards. This episode was recorded in June 2020 with Kamla Basin, poet, storyteller, feminist, activist and a pioneer in many fields. This episode is being released posthumously and is a tribute to her fearless activism and her extraordinary life from which we continue to learn, adapt and grow. Welcome to another episode of CCYSC Awards. My name is Simran and I'm pursuing my masters in education from Ambedkar University Delhi. Today I will be in conversation with Kamla Basin. Kamla Basin is a South Asian feminist activist, founder and advisor to Sangat. She is the South Asia coordinator of 1 billion rising and has authored multiple books. Kamla Di has written several books for children from Little Red Fairy that follows the story of a young girl who loves cars to Satrangi Ladke aur Ladkiyan that celebrates the diversity and individuality of boys and girls. Today we are going to talk about these books what goes into the process of writing them their significance and the impact of patriarchy on young children. So Kamla Di welcome thank you for agreeing to be a part of this podcast. My pleasure Simran thank you for having me. As I mentioned in the introduction, you have written various books on patriarchy and feminism. My first question to you is, what was your motivation to start writing books for children? Okay, so let me say three things before I start talking about my books. You know, I was I was born in 1946, like 74 years ago, and I grew up in villages of Rajasthan. and i went to government schools which had no libraries my family lower middle class six children and i really don't remember having ever had a children's book so it is very strange for someone who has never read any children's book to have now written already published about 20 books so that i was just thinking that is very strange the second thing simran i wish to mention is that you know there are different definitions of children now i don't know what definition you are using because there are infants there are children there are adolescents there are youth so if you say that for you the definition of children is under 18 then it is okay because are my books many of my books are actually for adolescents which goes up to 19 and they are not only for younger children and the third thing i want to say the note which you sent me you are calling this podcast dismantling patriarchy <laughs> i thought the word dismantle is a bit big i you know for the last 2000 years we've been trying so i would be a little more humble and call it challenging patriarchy and the fourth point i want to make that my books are not only about gender 
and patriarchy. My books are actually about equality, about justice. There are books about gender and environment, etc. Because I really don't think that we can deal only with one issue at a time. At least I don't do it. Life is a mixture of everything. It's a mixture of caste, class, gender, race. And I feel that if I'm writing a book on gender, then I cannot forget people with disability, people who are different, different regions. So I just wanted to make these few points. And now if you would ask your question again, I would answer it. Thank you so much for clarifying, Kamladi. On my end, I would like to clarify that by children, I mean people under the age of 18. However, I do believe that anyone, irrespective of their age, can read your books. Personally, I read your book when I was 20, and yet it felt extremely relevant. Moving on, my first question to you is, what motivated you to write books for children? My, my motivation was a personal need. When I was 33, I had my first child, a daughter, and then I needed books for children for her. And then my son came after two years. And I really found that most of the children's books which existed in 1980 in India, they were either religious or they were stupid or they were sexist. Father goes to work, mother sits at home, mother is doing all the feminine jobs, father is doing all the masculine jobs. So I just needed to have books which <laughs> reflected our values because I was a working woman and my partner, the man I married, he did not work outside. He didn't like to work outside. So none of these books about typical families worked for us. And so I started writing children's rhymes for my children. I mean, I never thought I was writing a book. I was playing around with my children, just making up these rhymes. And I remember that perhaps the first rhyme I wrote was about mother's milk. Because I was breastfeeding. So the first time I wrote was Maka Dooth has Sabse Acha, Tandrust Bane Pie Jo Bacha. Bimari ko Dur Bhagai, Ma Bachonka Pyar Bhagai, Sada Shuddh, Taza or Sasta, Tandrustika Yehi Herasta. So, like that, they went on. And during my maternity leave, I had written about 25, 30 of such rhymes about a mother being a player, father singing a lullaby to our daughter and telling our daughter that, listen, your mother has gone to work. When she'll come, she'll feed you. And then once again, I'll tell you a lullaby. I think that's the only book I have seen where a father is lying next to a daughter and singing a lullaby. 
uh, and because I was working on these issues, the title of this book became Dhammak Dham. So the title poem is Dhammak Dham by Dhammak Dham, Nanne Nanne Bacche Ham, Ladki Na Ladke Se Kam. Girls are no less than boys. And the illustration in this book by one of the most iconic cartoonists of that time, 1980, Mickey Patel, is that a girl is flying a kite and the boy is holding that charhi. Once again, this is a typical gendered thing. Girls don't fly kites and boys don't hold charkis for girls. So after my maternity leave, I had these and one of my friends worked with UNICEF. So we were chatting and she says, what have you been doing? I said, well, I produced a child, breastfed her. And, oh, I said, I've been playing around with words and with rhymes. She said, oh, show them to me. So I shared those handwritten rhymes with her and she said, my goodness, I mean, you know, they are also relevant to UNICEF, so we would like to publish them. So we published them in five languages. I did that in English, in Punjabi, then they had them translated into Gujarati, Marathi, etc. So this was my first book and the motivation was doing things with my children. Uh, I find it so remarkable that something so inspiring and impactful was rooted from a personal need. My next question, Kamladi, is about the writing process. Now, there are educators and writers who are interested in writing more inclusive content for children. Would you be able to shed some light on what are a few things you keep in mind when you're writing these stories? Simran, I really don't consider myself a writer. Nothing I write comes out because I want to write a book. I write because I want to say something which can be related to a campaign, which can be related to challenging patriarchy, explaining people what is gender, telling children how to grow up as human beings rather than man, girl, boy, Hindu, Muslim. So really, I mean, I don't sit and say, okay, this is what I'm going to say. The first thing which I keep in mind is the book should be fun. It should not be a lecture. It should not be didactic. It should be joyous. It should be simple. It should have the values I think I have been working for, equality, justice, rights, and dignity for all. And ever since we are facing the climate change, which is for the last 30, 40 years, it is coexistence, coexistence with Mother Nature, looking after Mother Nature, coexistence with people of other religions, people of other castes, people of other countries. So, those are the kinds of things. And then, of course, if they are going to be illustrated, really nice, uh, non-stereotypical illustrations. 
And as I said earlier, you know, this these days there is a big word which I did not know when I was writing. Intersectionality. Writing about children, mentioning that there are people in wheelchair, mentioning that there are people who cannot see, mentioning that there are people who may not have homes. So this kind of inclusion of all kinds of people so that our middle class, upper class children know what the realities are and they hopefully grow up with love in their heart, with understanding and pluralism in their heart. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing up the important concept of intersectionality into the conversation. This was very insightful. My next question to you is how does patriarchy affect young girls and especially boys? Now, this is an underlying feature in all your stories. You've spoken about them perhaps in all of them, which is why I feel like having an elaborate conversation about it would be extremely useful for us. You know, I've been during this COVID-19 and the talk of virus, I've been seeing that we are talking about this virus called Corona, which has now killed about half a million people. Whereas the latest report of UNFPA says that in the world, 120 million girls and women have been killed. They call it missing. Half a million killed by Corona and 120 million killed by the virus of patriarchy. For Corona, there are lockdowns, we can't go out, we are washing our hands, my God, governments are closed, businesses are closed. But to stop the virus of patriarchy or caste or religious hatred, which kill many, many more, there is nothing. So I feel that we really need books which fight these dangerous old viruses which our parents not only carry, but they inject them. It's like, you know, your, your family injecting you with measles, injecting you with that. So I think it is absolutely important to, to challenge these things. But the problem, Simran, is who should challenge it? You know, in Hindi, we say that pure pure mein zahir hai. Hum sab us zahir ko pee rahe hai. Who should challenge it? You expect teachers to challenge I haven't seen too many teachers who are gender sensitive. I haven't seen too many families which are gender sensitive. There were not even too many people who wrote these books. So I think that is the tragedy. Mm -hmm. Who should teach home? Now, you know, I, I remember a story. My daughter, Mito, she went to one of the finest nurseries in Delhi. I will not name them. She was four years old. And I had gone to drop her 
to her nursery. It was an experimental nursery attached to a most prestigious college of Delhi. And I go and I see that in her class, there is a hangama. And I said, oh my God, somebody's died. Something has happened. What has happened? I look inside and the teacher must have been about 35, 40 year old woman is standing on a chair, petrified. What has happened? A chipkali. I don't know what is a chipkali in English. So a chipkali has fallen and this teacher is standing on a chair. She's about 200 times bigger than that chipkali. And then a little boy of four picks up the chipkali and goes and throws it out. Now, what is my daughter going to learn from a teacher like that? I'm a boy like that. He is that masculine four-year-old who saves his 40-year-old teacher from a chipkali. Or when I see teachers coming to school with those heels, with that patriarchal cos cosmetics, etc., etc. So, I mean, it's not just in what children read, it is what they see. And for them, their mothers and their older sisters and their teachers are role models. So for me, the worry is not only what we teach in our books, the worry is how we prepare our teachers, what we think education is. So these are much larger questions. And I don't blame only people who write books. I blame teachers. I blame us parents. I blame the people who make those TV programs to which our children are hooked for several hours. As I said, pure kue me zahir habibi simran. Thank you. Um, you have brought up a very important point regarding socialization particularly when it comes to learning gender roles. Now, while textbooks and schools do influence a child's mindset, the home environment, that means the parents, play the most significant roles. My next question to you is about the parents. Do you think they can challenge gender roles at home? Is it possible for them as adults to help their children and learn these stereotypes? If not, what is the way forward? I mean, are parents themselves sensitive? How can they challenge gender? How can they handle gender sensitivity when they themselves are not aware of what gender is? They themselves think this is law of nature. Gender is law of nature. This is how a girl should behave. This is how a boy should behave. I mean, you are expecting parents to be gender sensitive and how they should handle it. My question is that most parents are the ones who teach us gender. So how can they correct gender stereotyping? They are the ones who create gender stereotypes. They are the ones who buy pink for girls and blue for boys. They are the ones who tell boys to do this and not to do that and they tell the girls to do this and not to do that. So I really don't expect unless 
parents themselves are sensitized and from where should they be sensitized? So I think, I mean, this is a exchange between teachers and parents. If there is a sensitive teacher, she or he can send a good message about it. If there is a parent who is aware of these things, he or she can tell the school that, you know, you are doing this, 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 maybe you shouldn't do it. So I think it has to be an exchange between both, whoever is clear about these things. And Simran, I really feel that after independence and after we have accepted the constitution of India, which talks of equality for all, I mean, gender equality is the first thing. If we believe in our constitution, then Everybody has to work for gender equality. But patriarchy is in our, in our religion, it is in our culture, it is in every festival which our schools celebrate. It is in our prayers. If you are in a Christian school, it's all God the Father, God the Father, God the Father. So We'll be lucky if there are some parents who are sensitive, we'll be lucky. These days, you know, I have a grandson, the people who look after my son. My son is a severely, severely handicapped 40 year old man, but he has no abilities like zero. He has to be looked after 24 hours. So the one man and a woman couple, they've been looking after him for 25 years. Now they have a son who's five and they live with me. So I've been doing Zoom classes for my grandson, this boy. And my God, every day in the Zoom class, there's nothing. And again, a very progressive school who's doing Zoom classes. I mean, most of the things are gendered. Every day they say, okay, today we will make somebody king and queen. King is always a boy and king we know is the head. Queen is always a girl. And in a democracy, why should we bloody making them king or queen? Make them a minister, make them a member of parliament, make them this king and queen. And then they do role play. Always boys are playing boys, girls are playing girls, and 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 stupid things. And that the stories which they are telling. And mama and papa in the same roles. Then someday they are doing that. Yeah, seven dwarves. Imagine children reading in 2020 a rotten patriarchal story with a stepmother who's horrible. And this girl, and in that dialogue, are mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the fairest of all? I mean, this is poison to the minds of girls and boys who are four and five. And isn't it a shame that after 70 years, my grandson, who doesn't know who Goldilocks is, who doesn't know who these people are, that we can't have Indian stories. So there's too much wrong, Madam Simran. 
this is unfortunately so true and relevant even in 2020. The way we are brought up, the stories we consume, and the way we interact with each other is already so gendered in nature. The fact that students, as you mentioned in your grandson's example also, are further isolated from their experiential reality is not helpful. But perhaps with an ongoing exchange between teachers, parents, and inclusive literature, we can address these issues better. Finally, moving towards the closure of our episode, my last question to you is, which one of your stories is closest to your heart? And if you'd like to read a few lines from them. Are you an only child? Yes, I am. Okay, if you were two children, hmm. so who would be the closest to your mother's heart? I think the second one. So I think. Yeah. Oh, I think both. <laughs> so I really feel that anyone who writes books wouldn't write them if they didn't love those books. I would not spend six months of my life or two months of my life writing books which I don't love. Absolutely. And there are different periods in people's lives. When you love something, you write something. So when my children were very young, I wrote rhymes. Little later, I wrote a book called Kash Mujhe Kisi Ne Bataya Hota. This is about child sexual abuse during my childhood between my age of four and eight. 13 young men and men, and all up to 80-year-old man, had sexually abused me mainly putting a finger up my vagina or putting their tongue into my mouth. So then I wrote that. Then came the time of HIV. And I was asked by UNICEF that, listen, can you talk about sexuality to children, to adolescents? So I wrote about HIV, sexuality, gender for children. Then as this climate change kind of happened and I started driving uh, an electric car 10 years ago, I've been driving an electric car for 10 years. So then I wrote this red fairy is about the electric car, which I drive. And there, there's always sort of the issue of gender in it. I'm the driver of that car, the owner of the car. And the girl who finds this car fascinating is a girl and she loves cars. She wants to be an engineer of cars. So I really love all my books and several of my books, like three or four of them, have this name Mito or Mitwa. Mm -hmm. Now this is that girl I talked to you about who went to that nursery. Mito left her body when she was 27. She was studying in Oxford and she committed suicide because she was suffering from clinical depression. So many of these books carry her name just in her memory. And like a mother, I'm crying and I'm happy to cry. Not at all ashamed. So I will read from my first book, which I wrote. I love all the books, these 19 or 20 books, which have already been published, two or three are waiting to be published. And I'll read from Dhammakadham. And I selected one poem called Amma, 
and another poem called Pitaji. And I'm talking of an Amma who is a working class woman. And I'm trying to show children that an Amma is a multi-dimensional person. An Amma is not just somebody who, who gives birth and who cooks and who cleans and all that. That Ammas can have so many roots. So ye ao Amma ki baat sunaye. उनके रूप अनेक दिखाए मां बन घर संसार चलाए बन किसान खेतों पर जाए मेहनत करके पैसा लाए तब अम्मा मजदूर कहाए रात पड़े छात्रा बन जाए पढ़ पढ़ पोथी ज्ञान बढ़ाए सखियों संग जब नाचे गाए मस्त मस्खरी वो बन जाए सारे रूप अगर बतलाए पन्नों पर पन्ने भर जाए इतने रूप हैं हमारी माओ के एंड दे आर नॉट जस्ट ओनली अ मदर ओनली लुकिंग आफ्टर चिल्ड्रन एंड नाउ पिताजी हमारे पिताजी बड़े निराले हम उनके बच्चे मत वाले काम से घर वापस आकर वो ना बैठे ठल्लम ठाले हमारे पिताजी बड़े निराले जैसे नॉर्मल फादर होता है ना दफ्तर से आया पूरा दिन दफ्तर में बैठा रहा यहाँ आके बैग रख के कपड़े बदल के फिर आके बैठ जाता है टेलीविजन के सामने तो ये बच्चे कह रहे हैं कि हमारे पिताजी बड़े निराले हम उनके बच्चे मत वाले काम से घर वापिस आकर वो ना बैठे ठल्लम ठाले हमारे पिताजी बड़े निराले मेरे साथ खेल वो खेले छोटू को वो गोदी ले लें हम बच्चों के नखरे झेलें और मौका पड़े तो रोटी बेलें हमारे पिताजी बड़े निराले हम उनके बच्चे मत वाले हम उनके बच्चे मत वाले आई एम आई एम स्लाइटली ओवरवेल एंड इमोशनल राइट नाउ Thank you, Kamla Devi, for being who you are and for allowing us to get a glimpse of your stories and your life. You shared some wonderful thoughts and personal experiences with us today, and I can only hope that the people who listen to this conversation are able to find the courage and hope to challenge patriarchy, and learn the prejudices, and share their stories. I would also like to thank you for writing books that have helped pave way for patriarchy defeating feminist adulthood. what i enjoyed the most while reading most of your books was that they're not just for children or like you corrected me adolescents but also for adults to read and reflect upon once again thank you so much for being a part of our podcast kamladi my pleasure simran and all the best for you for your university and for this network for which you have done this podcast khuda hafiz <laughs> bye 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 Now we have reached the end of our podcast. Thank you to all our listeners. For those of you who are interested in reading Kamla Devi's books, we have curated a reading list for you to refer to. We'll see you for our next episode of CCYSC Awards.